Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. So a few weeks ago, John came to me and he's like, so, um, do you get insulted if we don't ask you to show up again? And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. What does that mean? <laughs> Would you like to speak again? And he's like, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe. Would you like to speak about family prayer? Um, no, <laughs> not, not really. Um, if I have to, can I bring my wife? And he just, you know, waited and then came back to me the next week and said, so what do you think? And I was like, well, I, I guess so. I guess I can do it. So here I am. So if you're anything like me, when you get asked to speak about family prayer, you might get a little shy. We might not be quite so good as we wished we were in modeling and in our teaching our children to pray. I don't know if you felt this, uh, but our society is I find quite focused on go, 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 and do, 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 and make money and produce, and uh, succeed in all kinds of ways that perhaps aren't very useful when it comes to trying to develop a life of quiet, a life of meditation, a life of prayer. So if you're anything like me and have experienced this, then prayer is not easy to do in our culture and in our society. So then how do we as parents or adults model this for other people, um, but also for our kids? I'm just going to share a couple of verses uh, with you, and you can turn to them or not. Later on, I'll be putting people on the spot, so get ready. If you sleep, I will call your name. No, don't worry. I'm really bad with names. It won't happen. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6, 6, Moses is speaking to the people and he starts in one saying, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, later on in verse 6, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, and when you are going to bed, and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads. I think we get the, the gist all the time. And now in uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 22.6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. If ever you needed pressure as a parent, right? And now in John 17, Jesus is speaking. And he's speaking about the, <clears throat> the, the relationship he has with the Father. But he's speaking about Christians. So... This is how 
Jesus characterizes uh, Christians. And this is the way to eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. So, so what does that do? Well, all I'm trying to do here is, is set the stage to say that we can reach very high. <laughs> there is no high enough to reach when we try to encourage our children to pray. That's not to uh, discourage you by any means. Because if you know anything about me, you know that I realize that there is a theory and the practice. There is the want to and there is the what is. <laughs> and so I want to just give us a moment here to share or to reflect or to interact. I know, I'm making you interact. I would like you, by a show of hands, to raise your hand if you have goals, desires, or wishes for your children. Great. That means that you care about them, right? Many times, the goals and desires and wants for our children are things that we never had growing up. Perhaps we didn't travel or we weren't wealthy. We didn't go to good schools. Does this ring a bell? Yeah, it does. Oftentimes though, the more that we want for our kids, if we're not answering in church, isn't necessarily always spiritual, isn't necessarily always seeking the face of God, is it? For me, I want my kids to be real contributors to society. In Canada, we have a beautiful thing that's called a social safety net. When you can't work, the government takes care of you. When you lose your job, you can get money temporarily as you go and look for another job. If you fall sick, you go to the hospital. And it's all, in theory, free. But is it free? No. <laughs> it's not free. People have to work and pay taxes to buy these things for people who can't. So my parents really had a, a really strong work ethic. And so when I was raised, it was speak by your words, uh, speak not by your words, speak by your actions. And those actions usually included hard work. So I've, for better or worse, taken this on for my kids. I really want you to be a contributing member to society, not a burden, but somebody that helps to lift other people up. Where's the danger there, though? Many dangers. But let's come back to the task at hand. One of the dangers is that we forget that prayer is a beautiful tool. Not just something that we should use to get the things that we want for ourselves, for our children, for our nation, but so much 
more than that. So, in one word, I need some help. What can we teach our kids about prayer? Volunteers. <laughs> help me out. <laughs> Anyone? Nana. <laughs> what can we teach our kids about prayer? Go ahead. Chatting to God like a friend. Oh, I like that. We might not need many examples. Anyone else? Telling God all the Yes, telling God about the crap in our lives. Sorry, you didn't use those words. But I think if you read one or two Psalms, you'll get the idea that David isn't only saying nice things to God. Mm. Yes, anyone else? Go ahead. Listening to God. Okay, those are great answers. Okay, so this, this group knows the right answers. Hmm, okay. So today, from knowing to doing, and from knowing to modeling, how can we do these things with our children? I just want to read a few more verses, and then I'll tell you some stories. I don't think anybody should preach without telling stories, and this is not a challenge to anyone. Just that. You may not know me. If you don't know me, you don't trust me. And so I can talk all day and you won't listen. <laughs> Matthew 6, 13. Matthew 6, if you remember, is when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. So I think that we can use Jesus' prayers as a model. I think that's a pretty safe thing. Uh, but in uh, verse 11, he says, Give us today the food we need. And forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And 13, and yield, and don't let us lead, uh, yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Plenty of great things here that we can teach our children to do. Thanks for the food. Forgive us. Help us to forgive others. Don't let us fall. Uh, uh, don't let us yield to temptation and rescue us from Satan and his plans, evil plans for us. 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. So I think we did fairly well earlier in our answers, speaking to this verse. We have uh, beautiful things shown to us in the Bible about what we can pray for and and therefore what we can try to teach our children to pray for and pray like. But we're so often limited in what we have to offer. Do you ever feel like that? I feel that I have only experienced so much of life and so little of God. So then, what can I show my children but what I've already lived and done and seen? And so we're limited by our own experiences. So let me share a few stories. Diana and I met quite young. Um, and when we were courting, because my wife is a woman of ideals, when we were courting, uh, she wasn't convinced that she could marry me because God had not told her she could marry me yet. So for six months, we met in public and we prayed 
and we talked, and we prayed and we talked. And after six months, remember, I'm a young man, lots of things going on in my head, lots of desires, and I've decided that, you know, this is the right person for me, but I can't make it happen alone, and yet I have desires and needs and wants, and six months. But I'm not the only one. Diana comes to me one day and she says, oh, this is just too hard, crying. That helps, right, a man, when the woman is crying? We always know what to do? No. <laughs> we need to take some time, she says. We need to take some time. We need to, I don't know, but something's gotta, something's gotta happen. Something's gotta break, Maybe you know that song? Yeah. So you just go away for a while, but you need to call me every day, and oh yeah, I need a sweater. Uh, she wasn't entirely convincing, but um, she spoke the good talk. So we went away. And I'm like, oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. So I'm going to do the most difficult thing. I'm going to fast and pray and wait. And I did. I did. I don't remember for how long, three days, five days, a few days. I fasted and prayed and nothing. Fasting and praying and nothing does not encourage me. I'm sure you've had or are living similar experiences. But God really spoke to us. So Diana had a dream. Diana had a dream right at the end of this period of fasting and praying. And I, I, I honestly can't remember too much about the details. But in the dream, there was enough from the Lord for Diana that she knew she should continue. So that's good news for me, you know? <laughs> that's really good news for me. Uh, but it wasn't our full answer and we still had to wait. But we can carry that, now that we're married and have kids, we can carry that experience into our relationship with our children and hopefully model those things. But what I need you to do is recall those, make those markers, milestones, pillars in your life that you can cling to and you can say to your kids in all honesty, the Lord is good and he has delivered me. Just ask for help as you wait. Tough though, right? Two-year-olds, they wait very well. <laughs> No, they don't. No, they don't. Diana and I then uh, decided <clears throat> that we needed to write our own vows when we got married. So sometime later, we got married, clearly. Um, and we had to write our own vows. And uh, of, of, of those many words that we wrote uh, in English and French to reflect our heritages was a line that says, help me to teach and help me to be teachable. Anyone here have issues learning from their spouses? Oh, come on. <laughs> My goodness, if you don't have problems learning from your spouses, you probably don't need to go to church. You might as well just go. Those who are closest to us know our deepest. What? Troubles, weaknesses, trials, struggles. 
And so that has uh, marked our lives. Uh, Diana and I come from very different backgrounds. Um, I'm French-Canadian, rural, uh, home of boys and of uh, blue-collar workers. And my wife comes from one side, is British, intellectuals, professionals, house of girls, urban. Might not sound like a big deal, but it's, it's big enough that we were not the same people when we got married that we are today. We had to learn from one another, and that didn't happen just like that. We could also, though, look back to what our church has taught us as we try to transfer some of these skills and some of these experiences to our children. We have a, a lovely church back in Canada that we have been part of for 20-something years. And one of the things that they do is they model commissioning prayer. Commissioning prayer. So you are going to the mission field, you are changing churches, you are going off to school. We'll bring you up and we will commission you. Prayers of dedication for children. We don't do, at least not in our experience, we don't do child baptism, we don't do you know, uh, rites or ordinances for, for children. Um, they find their own way to God with guidance. But that guidance is really important. So then the, the practice that we learned was uh, the dedication of children. May they know you, Lord, and may you guide them and protect them. And together we will shepherd their lives. So child dedication. And another thing that is still challenging, and I think will remain challenging till my last day, is healing prayer. Healing prayer. So as, as, as you've undoubtedly read in the New Testament, Jesus did it. It happened. The apostles, same thing, right? You've read those accounts. And yet today, I think we experience very often the experience where the apostles come back to Jesus and said, we, we tried to cast this one out, but we couldn't. What gives? <laughs> we, we face challenges. Another experience that, that Diana and I had is uh, we had a really great friend. I went to school with a, a young man and we were in the same group. And he uh, developed cancer at 24, 25. Received lots of prayer. Went into remission several times. But died at 25. That shapes you. That shapes you. So what do you believe about healing and what are you showing and teaching to your children? These are all things that we have experienced and we carry in as we try to teach our kids. Diana and I have also experienced many things as parents and as a married couple that have, well, ended up in prayers of tears and prayers of longing and prayers of waiting. Who here is praying a prayer of waiting? One year, five years, 10 years, 
15 years, 20 years, and on. I don't think that we should hide or lie to our children. There are prayers of waiting. And prayers for wisdom. When Diana and I had uh, three children under the age of 10, life was, as we speak, rock and roll. <laughs> there are very busy days. And I don't necessarily look on them with fondness. <laughs> I do see young families, and I say to myself, yeah, put on your running shoes. <laughs> it can be really hard. It can be really hard. Okay, so I know that time is, is moving along, but if you're like me, you want to know, okay, mister, standing up there preaching, what did your children say? <laughs> Let's hear the truth from the mouths of babes. And if you haven't asked your children, it's a very eye-opening exercise. I noticed that two of mine are still here. <laughs> so I wanted to ask them, because, you know, sometimes parents think they're better than they are, or really not as good as they might be doing. So it's a good idea to ask them. What did they tell us? Well, essentially they told us two different things. Oh, you, you, you've taught us habitual prayers, and you've taught us situational prayers. Not bad. At least it's not one prayer, right? Habitual prayers are things that I think you need to start very young. To build a habit in your children to go and seek God regularly. And I know that, you know, there are plenty of spiritual practices in Christianity and others where you return, return, regularly, regularly, return. So what are some of these habitual prayers they say that we have taught them uh, at meals and other forms of thanks. We also pray protection for our travel. If there are any other impatient drivers in the room, this is really not a bad idea. And as I've experienced many different countries where driving standards are quite different, uh, protection before we travel is a really good idea. The other thing that we started quite young with our kids is bedtime prayer. And as they grow older, I find myself more and more trying to give them the opportunity then as well to pray. And that prayer doesn't have to be a rote prayer, but if that works, then that works. What is it for? It is about making seeking God a habit, and a habit in a good way as a reflex. Let's go to God. Let's see what he thinks. Let's listen. The other form was the situational prayers. The most common would be, we have a problem. <laughs> Do you ever feel as a parent that when your kids come to you with a problem, you don't have the solution? I do. 
But that's the best time, I find, to turn to the Lord and look for a solution. Sometimes, after that, we get an idea. Or, sometimes, we can hear from the Lord and we know we've heard. And those are great things to model and to do with your kids. So, for instance, one time my son came to us and he said, one of my friends in class, his parents have divorced and he's really sad. Can we pray for him? And of course, that's something we want to do. So we did that with him. Some of you know that when we came to Ghana some 18 months ago, we came with our dog. She was a puppy, but she died. And when she died, Papa, that's me, and everyone was really, really hurt. It's hard to process grief, especially if you believe as a man, it's not okay to show grief. And that varies, I know, from culture to culture. But one thing that we can certainly do with our grief is go to the Lord. Situational prayers. A few more. I'm feeling anxious. I don't know how open you are to discussing about mental health issues, but anxiety is one of them. And anxiety can overwhelm and take you apart. And so when one of my kids is feeling anxious, usually about school or tests or situations that they're not comfortable in, it's a really great opportunity to pray with them. In new situations, I think that the West is a bit over the top in providing their kids with new situations. Just expose them to everything and they'll be such rounder people and so much more open to things and have greater insights in all kinds of situations. Maybe. Or maybe it'll just drive them over the wall with anxiety. <laughs> but in new situations. When the path ahead is unclear, we have, you may know, uh, lived overseas a few times. And I've changed jobs several times. And we've had to choose schools for our kids on a few occasions. And it's not always clear then what the best thing is to do. But we've prayed together as a family to say, okay, what's the best thing? What's the best thing, Lord? And finally, for healing. We've not necessarily had a lot of success, if you will. And even of late, I don't know that we do as much as we did when we were kids, really young. But we pray for healing. You have a headache, you don't feel well. Before we reach for the bottle of medicine, let us reach out to the Lord and say, Samuel, mommy, somebody doesn't feel well. Lord, heal them. So these are situa situational prayers that I suggest are really good times that don't always come up a lot. Once a week, once a month, maybe once a year. But demonstrate the reflex of turning to the Lord. Demonstrate that and model it. 
and pray that your kids remember. Sometimes, though, it's really important to look at the format. Many people, when hearing that I was going to speak about family prayer, may have thought about the format first. I'll tell you why I didn't. Because the first thing we thought of as format never worked for us. <laughs> so family devotions and daily prayer as a family, we tried that. It really didn't work. So what I want to say to encourage you is that the format is not the answer. Just because some reputable organization that touts family values says you need to do it this way, that's not true. You can try it that way. That's what I'd like to say to you. Something's going to work for you. I encourage you to just keep trying. I know as a boy who grew up in the country with lots of energy and with a preference to be outside, sitting around in a circle holding hands and praying didn't sound to me like a good time. Does that sound like some of your kids? Yeah, yeah. So just because somebody has proscribed the way to pray as a family doesn't mean you need to listen. <laughs> Find something that works. Find something that works. Often, for males, they don't want to sit and look at each other in the face. But the things that they can say and pray for each other when they are working side by side or doing something side by side would surprise you. It really would. So explore the format together. It's not necessarily what you will find in books. Diana and I have had uh, challenges, blessings, struggles, and breakthroughs in raising our kids. So we think we've done a few things right. <laughs> I'm just going to pick a few in my list here to encourage you to think outside the box. Silly prayers. Silly prayers, yeah. Please don't think that God is only serious. Do you remember the talking donkey? Silly prayers like, my teddy is sick. Let's pray for healing for my teddy. Another thing that we have in our family, I don't know about you, but someone is always losing something in my family. We have what I call finding prayers. <laughs> your keys, your phone, your child. Oh Lord, help me, I need to find <laughs> finding prayers. And of course, a little bit more traditional, but I only bring it up because I'm not sure we had much success. Prayers of forgiveness. Yes, sister, I'm sorry I hit you. Yes, yes. You know those? Maybe you pray them too. Yes, boss, I'm really sorry. Prayers of forgiveness. We've tried to do birthday blessing prayers. So there's an event. Trust me, you can pray about it. I bless you with a good year and may the next year have in it 
all the Lord has for you. May you be open to it. How's that? Anybody would say no to one of those prayers? No, I don't think so. Neither would your kids. Neither would your kids. You might be afraid, but I don't think you'd say no. So something Diana and I do regularly is we journal prayer. I can't pray in my head, I find, in a very articulate way. It just goes around, and then I go this way, and then it goes around, and I end up saying the same things that I've been saying since I've been this high. So maybe journaling prayer helps. For me, it does. And maybe it would help your kids too. Because there's no wrong way to do it. Remember what we read? And you're getting up, and then you're going to bed, and then you're wandering around, and then you're going. It's no bad time. There really isn't. Uh, a few other things that we've tried is prayer is a song. Prayers related to events. Christmas Easter, Lent, Advent, and we also try to observe to a degree the high holidays, the Jewish high holidays. Another one that's a bit funny, give you a bit of a contrast, just to show that some kinds of prayers maybe not work in every context. In Canada, Diana started this thing, Diana starts things, she has lots of ideas, and generally they're great. Sirens. So in Canada, a siren means it's the police, there's an accident, or an ambulance, somebody is sick, there's an emergency. They're going to pick up someone who's dying or they're taking someone who's dying to the hospital. So thinking about others is a good thing. Um, so Diana had us praying for sirens and to the point where you know we'd be driving and the kid would hear the siren and like, I'm driving. Pray, daddy, pray. I'm driving. <laughs> so then we came to Ghana and uh, there are a lot of sirens. <laughs> there are a lot of sirens. And you know, most of them are about VIPs and brass driving around, pushing people out of the way. I don't really have the bubbling urge to pray for them as they push me off the road. So that one has really calmed down since we come to Ghana. So siren prayer works well for Canada. You can decide if you like that for Ghana. It's up to you. But we also have hopes and desires, and I'm just going to talk about two here that we think we've been praying for our kids, and I'm going to use that to shift into the end of my talk. We have some forward-looking prayers that we pray for our kids from time to time. What's their future going to be like? What will their lives look like? So we, we struggle when we are modeling hearing God to our kids because they have a hard time hearing from the Lord in ways that at least they can say, oh, that was God. So we try to pray that our kids would hear the Lord and know that he's speaking. So that's one of our forward-looking prayers. And another one, which most parents can relate to, is about 
their future partner, their future spouse. We want the person that God wants for them, that he would even now be preparing and choosing that spouse for each of our kids. With the hopes, of course, they'll get married and give us grandchildren. I'm sure you can, you know, agree with that. So then, let me read a few more verses. First Thessalonians 5.17 Never stop praying. And Philippians 4.6 Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience his peace. These are things that I think that we have done with our kids. Maybe not well, maybe not all the time. Maybe they haven't translated equally to all three of our kids. But it's something that I know that we have been working hard on. But I want to say there are plenty of things that we'd like to do better. And this is where I invite you to think about one or two or three things that you would like to do better in modeling, in showing, in praying with your kids. For us, one of them is listening prayer. We're praying about that. But we want to grow our kids in listening prayer if we can. The other I've already talked about is healing prayer. Another is praying as a way of dealing with our enemies. Praying as a way of dealing with our enemies. Someone once told me once, if you know you don't love someone, start to pray for them. You'll quickly find that you love them. Prayer is a process. I think developing a prayer life takes time. I think many people struggle with prayer and integrating it into their day-to-day, moment-by-moment, so that it becomes a, a second nature, so that it becomes a reflex in all kinds of circumstances. That prayer life is something that we need to cultivate. Anytime I think about my prayer life, I think about all the other things I spend my time on. And I'm sure you can too. I know that by modeling prayer, that will go a long way to showing our kids that it's something that we should aspire to. So I'd just like to read a few more verses and then uh, I will close off. These again are things that we aspire to as a couple, Diana and I, as we look to model and try to encourage our kids towards 
Psalm 19:14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Ephesians 6:18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. James 5.16 Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you might be healed. And this is one that I've discovered only recently. And uh, I'll just read it first. Revelation 5. Revelation 4 and 5 speaks of uh, John's uh, vision. Uh, the early parts of the revelation that he received in heaven in the throne room. And it speaks to eternity. Um, but one of the interesting things that struck me is verse 4, 8. Uh, the lamb is there, the elders and the beasts. And when Jesus took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This is the most fantastic place in the universe, in the presence of Almighty God. And what is there, what is on display in golden bowls, but our prayers as Christians and as saints. And I know we can aspire for all kinds of things for our kids, business, money, sports, stardom, whatever, 20 grandchildren, I don't know, right? But this is a place in history. And so I just want to end here because I just want to say that the, the sky is literally the limit as we look to teach our kids to pray. They can make a deposit into the throne room with their prayers. Even as a two-year-old, as a 12-year-old, So let's try. It's worth it. Let's try. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to come to you in prayer. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us children and friends. You have given us mentees. You have given us the position of authority as parents, as friends, as co-workers, to demonstrate prayer in our lives. We just want to be more open to helping and guiding our kids into prayer. We want to be good stewards of them, even. Help us to learn to pray. Help us to discover you in prayer and help us to model that to our kids. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.